Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Hey everybody, I'm laughing because this is about my 10th uh, retake of this intro. <laughs> this is Steve Ag, and you're about to listen to another episode of Steve Ag. Uh, this week my guest is creator of Home Movies and Adult Swim's Metalocalypse, Brendan Small. A uh, good friend of mine, also a very funny comedian. Speaking of which, we will be doing a show at the Baked Potato, world-famous Baked Potato in Studio City on April 15th. Two shows, 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Uh, it's a, a music and comedy a gig uh, with myself, Dana Gould, Mark Marin, and Emo Phillips, and more, and music by um, such greats as Mike Keneally, Joe Travers, and Pete Griffin, as well as uh, myself and Brendan. We're, we're going to be doing stuff there, too. <laughs> it's our show, so we have to. Um, so we, we talk about that more on the podcast. So thank you for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Galacticon sounds like a, a comic book convention. Yeah. Are you going to Galacticon this weekend? That's that was the idea. Was just to make it sound like this, like an outer space story, like a Babylon, like like Hollywood Babylon, like intergalactic story thing. Yeah. So yeah, so I've um, so I put that out. I did one big show last year, and it's got like it's I found its audience through like the uh, those kind of death clock people who like. A little bit more melodic vocals and stuff. So I'm, I'm screaming throughout that whole thing, but I'm they're melodic things. Is that hard on your voice? Yeah. It's, so it you sucks. can't you couldn't do a tour of, do, of singing. It would like be that, so hard for me to do. I did one night, and because I like to do like like I showed you when I broke down that that song, yeah. that song, the duel. Um, I harmonize lots of guitars, but I also like to harmonize lots of vocals and i like that yeah. whole queen thing you know yeah. wall of crazy vocals so i have a lot of that going on in that too so there's just layers and layers it's that big just wall of vocals sorry how do you do that when you you know when you have multiple layers of vocals on an album when you do it live how do you do it live well when i, I did it once i did a benefit for like berkeley college of music for this and we had i think seven vocalists on stage re, kind of doing what I did. Yeah. And sometimes I'll overlay, like I'll have one n note of a verse yeah. laying over the next, like yeah. carrying on over the next few bars and then another vocal starts while that's happening. So yeah. I would have another, I had another male vocalist with kind of a rock voice doing stuff with me. So we were just like overlaying and this big tapestry. Like a funkadelic concert with like 30 people on It was, stage. and I had I had four guitarists with me. I had Mike Keneally. Nice. I had uh, Jude Gold, who's a great guitarist I was telling you about. This is his amp right here. 
um, nice and a guy named Rick Musalam, and they're all really great guitarists, and yeah. uh, and myself, and we were doing four part guitar harmonies like Brian May and Queen and all that stuff live, and we did the whole record, and it was. We got it up and running, and uh, you know it was tricky. But where where did you play that? We played it at the Roxy one night only last year, and I just thought I could, I would have to, I would have to dumb down the live version, which yeah. is okay because I, my favorite band is Queen, and they would do so much layering in the studio. But then yeah. they, as a, as four people on stage, they were so tight and they rocked so hard that you didn't care that there weren't five guitars or at least a thousand yeah, vocalists at least twice a year i will watch queen's performance at wembley yeah stadium that one's great the it's one in montreal amazing. is amazing they're just so tight i mean they just sound huge even though there's four of them yeah and then at one point i think when they do when they do bohemian rhapsody live they all just excuse themselves and they just play the tape. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Silhouette. That was the one thing that bummed me yeah. out. I'm like, how are they going to do that? Yeah. Oh, they're just playing the tape. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some ways you can't get around it. Yeah. But you need you need a lot of bodies to make those sounds usually. But you know what? If you could do it with a power trio. Yeah. And that, when I do stuff like that, I'm I'm just I'm I'm thinking because for me, I think the record outlives the live performance. Yeah, because I still listen to records from the seventies, and I'm yeah. not going to be able to see Freddie Mercury, but the record has a huge important yeah. part in my life. So I always think it's record first. If I can't do it live, like my guitar parts, I'll have to go crazy and really, really practice and get it right, and then I have to, I will have to recreate those live. Yeah, how much rehearsing would you have to do with those guys before you played that show? We did a lot because there were lots and lots of intricate guitar parts, so. <laughs> Ugh. So we did like a a couple weeks, I think. I think which I'd is be, a lot for us. I'd be stressed out. Um, you know what? It's it's like you realize that it's all doable. You have to. The main thing about guitar playing or bass playing or anything is is you have to fight that thing inside your head that says it's impossible. Yeah. You know? Because obviously, people. I always think I've got. I'm lucky enough to have two hands. Yeah. And my brain seems to work. And and that's it. I mean, like, you go to and sit down and listen to these guitar heroes. Some of them they aren't rocket scientists. They just have figured it out, and they or yeah. they don't have that thing that tells them they can't do it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And um, that's all you need is that stupid thing that tells you, well, you can do it. Actually, you can do it. You just have to sit down and practice. And you have to every time you make that stupid mistake, you have to make a decision not to make that mistake anymore. Yeah. I, here's one thing I always ask my music friends on this podcast is do you have do you ever forget lyrics i'm obsessed with oh, forgetting lyrics yeah oh yeah or people in using death teleprompters clock, in death clock i um i had a teleprompter for one gig because we had, i was still finishing the record and yeah. we were all we we're gonna do kind of a, a tryout of that whole thing on an aircraft carrier for this big adult swim party at Comic-Con. oh yeah yeah in san diego yeah and i didn't know all the lyrics yet because i was i was writing them and i don't and sometimes i'm writing them so quickly i have no idea yeah, I have a song. I ejaculate fire. A venomous fluid can take her as druid. <laughs> <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense. How am I gonna remember that? I guess it rhymes. Yeah, yeah. And then I had, and then there were just like a bunch of examples of just horrible shit happening to your balls. Yeah, <laughs> and that was the song. And I, and then I had my guitar tech, uh, Vince Dennis, was teching for Katy Perry at the same time, and we borrowed her teleprompter no shit Katy perry's teleprompter for a death clock show 
which is it looks like a monitor, like a stage. You know how like yeah. Bruce Dickinson puts his foot on a monitor on stage. Yeah. Inside of the center of that thing, it's a TV screen. I've seen those, yeah. Yeah. Aerosmith and, uses that. Yeah, show. it's a really great trick. Um, but um, It helped? Well, I got through it all because I was looking down anyway and playing guitar and trying to manage which pedal. See, I I'm, would get so confused even with that trying to play that intricate shit and read. Well, you have to dump. I mean, that's what all guitar, I think any tricky guitar playing, you have to break it down to what I call bullet time, which is like the matrix, you know, when they slow everything down. So if I'm on an upstroke and I have to switch my right foot to this pedal for the lead, that gives me enough time to do that. And then the downstroke happens. And then I've got to say this thing on the end beat of that. So you break it down to that small of a thing, but you can do it. If you do, if you, if you had a gig where you had to play incredibly difficult shit, you'd find a way to do it. You would find a way because you didn't want to look like a jerk. When I was first learning bass, I would just sit and like, I'd learn every like Primus song on the bass, and yeah. I I still don't understand how, because he's, he's he's basically it, playing lead yeah. on his bass and singing yeah, and it's not always you know playing what? the same thing that he's singing yeah it's it seems impossible for him it's just he's got no choice because he's not going to hire another guy to play a bass while he's singing he's yeah. not going to hire another singer while he's playing bass so he's like I've got to do it. When you see Mike Keneally play, yeah, Mike Keneally does this thing where he is he's fretting notes with his left hand and he's harmonizing on a keyboard with his right hand, and he's just doing that. And he's thinking up lines as he's going, like these crazy melodic lines that are harmonized in these really <sighs> complex ways, and then he goes up to the microphone, and starts singing something on top of that, and then I go. I should be able to do at least one. He's doing three things. I should yeah. be able to do two. Yeah. That's what makes that's that's he inspires me in a lot of ways to to get over, you know, the kind of bullshit of saying I don't think it's possible. He's so good. He's really good. He also doesn't have that thing in his head that says I can't do it. I was showing him stuff that was kind of out of his wheelhouse, like tricks, like guitar licks that I've been doing for the last 20 something years on guitar. So my hands naturally just leap to those mm-hmm. spots very easily. And they're yeah. kind of, most people would think that's a tricky thing. But for me, it's just, it's not anymore because I've been doing it for 20 years, yeah. you know. But um, he was showing, I was showing him a lick and, and he was like, oh, okay, huh, let me see. Hmm, that doesn't seem to work. That doesn't seem to work. Okay, hold on. Let me try this out. And he said, mind over matter, mind over matter. That's what he said. He mumbled that twice to himself. And he goes, okay, here we go. And he did it. <laughs> he, said, he said, mind over matter twice to himself. Come on, mind over matter. I can do this. I can do this. Okay, I can do it. I did it. I did it. There, I did it. <laughs> I'd do it. I'd say mind over matter 50 times. And yeah, be like, a thousand times. Uh, I should check my Twitter now. <laughs> that is the, that is the, that is the, that is everyone's problem, not just guitarists, but yeah. Such a fucking downer yeah. on the internet. Um, yeah. How did you meet Mike? Mike Keneally? Yeah. Well, I'd been a fan of his. He put out a record. Actually, I... I So going back, I'll just try to make this short, but yeah. he was on a Dweezil, Al, Dweezil Zappa record called Confessions, and I bought that record because I heard there were a million guitarists on it, and I got it because I read Guitar Player magazine. Yeah. Then there were all these really cool, rich harmonies, and, and on the record said this guy, Mike Keneally, did all the arranging for this stuff, yeah. and he played guitar on this part and that part, and just cool cool arrangements were always by Mike Keneally. And Dweezil, I love that record, and uh, his songwriting's really cool, Dweezil's. Yeah. But um, but then he, he had a record called Hat, his first solo album, Hat, H-A-T, Mike Keneally. And uh, I loved it because it was really silly. It was a really silly record with amazing guitar playing, complex, odd, weird stuff. And you could tell yeah. that he was in the Frank Zappa world, you know? Yeah. And I, didn't even, I didn't even know he was a Frank Zappa guitar player at that point. But it turns out he played on Zappa's 
Broadway the hard way and was Zappa's last touring guitar player. Yeah. And at some point, you got to talk to him and get his know, his yeah. audition story for yeah. Zappa because that's a really good one. And then, um, and I had just kind of been, you know, I'd, I'd been aware of him. And then I became, you know, I finished music school and I started doing stand up and I got into TV. And this is back in the MySpace days, like 2004, maybe 2005. Yeah. I get a, a message from Mike Keneally on MySpace saying, Hey, just want you to know, me and my girlfriend are a big fan of your stuff. Uh, all right, bye. And I was like, Hold on. You're Mike Keneally. That's the and best was, part of social media. I know. That was pretty cool. So I said, um, "You, what, what you don't understand is I really dig your stuff. When are you playing? I want to see you. I want to see this, that, and the other thing. And he said, come to a gig. And I met him. And this is when I started putting Metalocalypse together in my mind and started thinking, how am I going to do? If I were to, Ultimately, what I'd like to do with this show is make it very music heavy. And I'd like to get a touring band because I saw that Mike Keneally – could do anything on guitar because he played with Steve Vai. Yeah. And he played with uh, Frank Zappa and all these different people. And he can do and Dweezil and everything that all those guys do is incredibly challenging. There's nothing, there's never easy. If you're doing like something easy on guitar, you should be doing something with your other hands that are free or, or <laughs> yeah, your other yeah, digits totally. that aren't doing something. Yeah. You should be. You should be taking notes. You should, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You should be. You should be reading a book. You should be doing <laughs> anything. You know, um, yeah, you should be getting like an online degree, whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, he he said, "Yeah, come and see me." And I saw him and Brian Beller play an acoustic set, uh, opening up for some Pink Floyd thing down in maybe I think I drove like an hour or two. I drove like to Santa Barbara to watch them play. And they did a great job. They played their own music, which was really great. Beller's music was great. Yeah. Keneally's solo music is great. And then they played some Zappa stuff. I think they played Inca Roads, which is an impossible song, but they did it on acoustics and Beller on acoustic bass. And um, and I talked to him backstage, and I was like, this is great to say. You know, and I, I just kept thinking, you know, if I were to put a Death Clock band together, these two guys would be in it because oh, right. they can do anything. They don't have to care or be a huge fan of metal to make this work. They just have to have they their hands have free. They have to and be plus, able to do it. They're, yeah, they have to be able to do it, and they have to have that really cool, creative, fun energy that these two guys have. Because yeah. I'd be trapped in a tour bus, and they have to have good senses of humor and be able to laugh, all that stuff. So so that's how the Keneally thing started. And and then I think I, I started telling them about this show that I was in, that I was putting together, this Metalocalypse thing. And I, then Beller turns out he's been – he's like me. He's – listen to the same music I was in high school and junior high and all the same metal and stuff too. Were you ever into Zappa before you met Keneally? Yeah, I was big into Zappa because I was in music school and I was I was in I was interested in some of the in high school, you know, yeah. some of the stuff that like gets to you like uh, the um overnight sensation I think everybody had and yeah. and then I started kind of getting into some of the weirder stuff and um and throughout college I was reading all of his books. I was transcribing his stuff i was playing his stuff that's crazy and uh and a huge fan and then he died when i was in music school so i was just watching stuff all the time was that is that rick wakeman calling you <laughs> <laughs> i should turn off my ringer it's uh commissioner gordon yeah. <laughs> all right um uh, yeah, i, I yeah. tried to get into it and i it, it's he's so proficiently good that Right. Proficiently good. That's redundant. He's so yeah. good that I was just like, I can't wrap my brain around it. There's a lot of stuff. There's so many different 
parts of Zappa out there. There's the really silly, silly songs. Yeah. You know, there's like there's the weird, silly sexual stuff. Yeah, it's like Dynamo Hum. Then there's Crazy Inca Roads or Echidna's Arf of You, which is just crazy time signatures and absurd stuff. There's the Black Page. So there's this super hyper technical musical parts. And then there's Baby Snakes, which is just silly and yeah. stupid and funny. And then there's Joe's Garage, which is just like doo-wop music yeah. kind of happening. So, yeah, it's and then a really simple 1625 kind of stuff. Yeah. Boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 you know? Yeah, I've, I've since gotten way into them. But, yeah, yeah, when I was first starting to play, I was like, uh, I, I would pick up my bass and just be like, I, I don't even know where to start to figure out the root notes of what the fuck is happening. Yeah. Here. I can't pick out a root note. That's really hard. It's it's hard to I I wouldn't even retune my guitar to like standard tuning when I was trying to figure out songs. I would think like my guitar's probably maybe like a full step <laughs> too high. <laughs> yeah. Like on the verge of all the strings yeah. breaking or a major third too low. Yeah. And I'd sit there and figure out the most difficult way to play the most simple thing yeah. that they would probably use open strings yes. for. You know? That always, that always, you know, when I, I was too stupid to go like, why wouldn't they also be in the, yeah. some kind of a standard tune? I would teach when I fr got my first bass, you know, I bought a tuner and I'm like, EADG, you got to just tune it. to, And then you'd find people are just, I would right. get mad when I would read in bass player or guitar player that, oh, they use a different tuning. I'm like, well, fuck. Right, How yeah. am I supposed to figure <laughs> this shit out now? Because I don't want right. to relearn my bass with a yes. different. Oh, no. No, there, there's a guy, there's this, this super nerdy fusion guitar player that I download online lessons from because I still do all that stuff. I still try to get better. I still try to, like, challenge yeah. my brain a little bit to, to learn stuff outside of my comfort zone. And this guy tunes his last two strings, his B and E, I think. He tunes the whole thing to fourths. So I think it's a C and a whatever the other note is. But but I won't do that. I just won't do it. But he makes everything. It says, why wouldn't you do it? It's three octaves of the same shape everywhere. Your eye just, it just makes sense. And I won't do it. Yeah. Because I don't want to relearn it. I want to, like, I'll go, my brain will explode at this point. Yeah. I'll teach myself how to play something no matter how hard it is. Yeah. And then I'll find a YouTube video of the person playing it. And they're just, like, playing open strings and shit. Right. I'm like, I... I, 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 Meanwhile, my fingers are like falling downstairs. Yeah, like that's what it, they're crumpled up. Tunnel, and you're, yeah. they're, they're like in a weird, fishy, like <laughs> you know, Spock kind of like crumpled shape. I fucking hate alternate tunings. I'm like, uh, I, I would just get another guitar and yeah. like tune that. Yeah, and I, I'm not gonna like sit there and. It will make you come up with different stuff, though. Anyway, tuning, right? I think tuning in general is for the birds. <laughs> Tuning, yeah, no, but um, what were we talking what about? Was the stuff? Keneally. I so so that that's my whole thing with Keneally. And what happened with Death Clock was that I ended up getting Keneally and Beller, Brian Beller, who's an amazing bass player, who I saw first playing with Dweezil Zappa. Also, when I was I was nineteen, I think he was like twenty one or something. He was had he just, playing with Dweezil, or was he playing with Z? He was playing with Z, yeah, yeah, which Ahmet is Dweezil, yeah, yeah, Ahmed and Dweezil. And uh, Mike Keneally and, and Joe Travers, yeah, which is kind of interesting because it all comes full circle because yeah. you and I are going to do a show with all those guys. Yeah. With, well, Keneally, Travers on drums, who's yeah. an amazing drummer, and uh, Pete Brian Beller. Oh, no. 
Pete Griffin. Yeah. Pete Griffin, who played with Zappa, plays Zappa. Oh, did and he, he really? also played with us on Death Clock too. He's a great bass player. He's he is just a monster. I did a show with Brendan at the Improv, and it was. I mean, we'll get into the the show that we're going to do, but it yeah. was a music and comedy show, right? And you had all those guys playing with you on stage at the Improv, and they just kind of stayed on stage like a house band, right? And I would just go up and start singing, yeah, nothing. And they would immediately adjust right. perfectly to whatever right. I was doing. And it, it's fucking mind-blowing. They're really good listeners. And seeing them in an intimate ev- environment, just listening to each other, keeping just enough eye contact. Basically, it's just you have to be in my field of vision in case you give me a cue with your guitar neck or yeah, whatever yeah. it is. And they, the way that they communicate on stage, they're great musicians and they're great listeners. It's the same kind of thing with great improv comedians. They know yes. how to listen. They know how to. They don't need to change or add constantly. Yeah. They just need to keep it moving forward. Yeah, you know, and that's what these guys all have. Again, that's that's what the fun of of uh, of Keneally and uh, and all those guys. But knowing bring bring half of that group with me on the Death Clock tours is a. You did know, you write stuff with them, or what, did you just write all the music and then just say here? I wrote this. it all like long before they were involved. And um, but Keneal and I keep on teasing a project. Every single time we hang out, we always have a really good time talking to each other. Yeah. He loves to laugh, and he's really funny. Yeah. And every time we finish, we go, you know what? We got to do that record that we keep on talking about doing, and we sure. we want to just show up with no ideas and just see what happens. Just and I'm sure it'll be total madness. You guys should do like what they did with the desert sessions. They would just, just show go up out with, to Joshua Tree, yeah. just all different musicians, you know. You know, uh, Lanigan, Mark Lanigan, and right. just people from, you know, all sorts of weird bands, PJ Harvey. Sure, yeah. And they would just go out there for a week. And whatever happened. And just hang out and just hit, hit record on right. the fucking Pro Tools. Right. And they would just noodle around, and then they would have songs. Yeah. And it, so a lot of that shit is really It's amazing. very organic sounding. Um, it's uh, it's very live sounding. It's not over polished or anything. Yeah. That's I mean, those, like are, those, those albums are very desert sounding, like desert rock, like very dirty, grungy sounding yeah. stuff. I would love to hear what you guys, you guys I would, like would to have do this that really too. technical sound. Well, yeah. I mean, the technical thing is that you have to practice, you have to get up to that. I don't, it's not natural for me to get technical. Yeah. I'm serious. I'm, my most natural thing is probably pentatonic scales and power chords. But I sit there and I overthink like, oh, this is a cooler voicing and this is a cooler note to play on that. So if I have – it's <laughs> writing to me is very slow improvisation, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like writing a script. is like, oh, I'm improvising slowly an entire movie. Yeah, totally. At, at the slowest rate you possibly slowest can. Possible. I can, yeah. I can think of eight things and choose one of them and that's what yeah. songwriting is too. Uh, or every once in a while you get completely lucky and something good happens and, and is fortunate and sounds really good with what you're doing. Yeah. And is surprising and, you know. Huh. Yeah. Let's get this out of the way and talk about the show we're doing yes. at um, The Baked Potato. Yes. I'm not sure when this is going to count. I'm going to try and get this out this week. Okay. Um, uh, April 15th at The Baked Potato, which is this jazz club that's been around for decades. World famous. World famous on Coanga in Studio City. Is I've been going there for years, and I've been seeing – well, Keneally was kind of my, and my entry point to there because he'd play there – once every month or once every two months with his amazing band of 
hyper technical and soulful musicians yeah and play this just outer space music that yeah. was really cool and it, it was an event it was watching them together on stage was really cool yeah and i love this room and it sounds so good and That's right and uh and we were talking about this you and i were talking about this at a at a Catan party at john schrader's house we're uh, talking about do you remember that Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was That's there to watch this... football. Right. And you guys were having this board game party. Which I'm not, which, which I'm not really a part of. I just went there to play along. Yeah. My fiance is big into that stuff. Yeah. And so. But we sat on the couch and just music geeked out. Yeah. It was time. dead. Everyone was just dead silent concentrating on how to thwart their opponent on this board game. And you and I were just <laughs> filling up the whole. Talking like, about pedals. And, talking about everything yep, nerdy yeah. about guitars. And I don't get to do that that often because. Yeah, me neither. I used to. I mean, when I have a nerdy musician friend, you know, uh. I usually am dragging some poor bystander into this conversation about amp tubes or yeah. string gauges or pick thickness or yeah. modes or whatever hyper nerdy yeah. guitar garbage. But I love that's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. I or, or talk like old comedy, you know? Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. It's either old comedy and Jack Benny nerdy stuff and yeah. and then guitars. So you and I were doing that that yeah. day, and of course, I won't stop once I get started with I that. Either. And we were talking about comedy and gigs, and we were also talking about this stuff. And the the idea of doing a show at the Baked Potato, a comedy show with music, came up. And I thought this. I said I've been doing something similar to that at yeah. the Improv once yeah. a month, but which has been really good. It's been really super fun. But wouldn't it be fun to try to push the music side a little bit more? at the baked potato and also bringing other people that are somewhat musical yeah. uh performers yep comedians yep so that's that's the show that's the, that's april 15th at the baked potato there are two shows there's a nine o'clock and eleven o'clock show yeah and we have uh on the first show mark Marin. yes emo phillips yes dana gould dana gould with the amazing mike keneally um, Joe Travers, Joe Travers, and Pete, Pete Griffin. Griffin on bass, and the two of us, and the two of us, the two idiots, yeah, the two dummies, <laughs> the two stupid cops, <laughs> two stupid cops. <laughs> that's that's what I think we should be: two stupid cops start a comedy. Yeah, music. I made a flyer, and we look like it looks like an eighties buddy cop flyer. <laughs> it should just be called Stupid Cops. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the second show, uh, all those people. Minus Mark Marin, right. we're still working on it. We're working on it, yeah. Comedian. But it's going to be a lot of fun. It's great to see. I think comedy and music both are really. It's so important to have the right architectural blueprint. Yeah, you know, you know, a show feels good. The old Largo was so great. So that good. small room was so great. So good. The new one's great. It's a different vibe, but that small room, that intimacy, is really, really important. So in comedy. fucking great. I feel the same way about uh, the old M bar. Remember yep. that? Yeah. The comedy Death Ray at the time was yep. such a great, perfect comedy venue. And I don't know where that's happening right now, but I know the Baked Potato has that vibe. And uh, it'll be a really fun place to see a show. Yeah. Comedy and Yeah. And we, after we had started talking about this, then you emailed me or texted me and you're like, Mike Keneally and Joe Travers are playing. Yeah. Or Joe Travers was doing a night, Joe Travers and Friends. Oh, right, yeah. And so you're like, let's go down and talk to Justin, who's, who's the, who runs the place. Yeah. And um, It's a corner room, yeah. It's such a good bar. 
it's I really used to cool. go there in the nineties, you know, when I was at Musicians Institute and Right. It's such a cool place and it's it also it's the one of the few places in the world I don't I don't think there I can't think of any other places in LA that cater to this kind of musicianship. None. You know? I would say none. Yeah, there's nothing like it because it's it's got that geeky, nerdy vibe, but there's also like Keneally brings this outlandish rock vibe to everything that's heavier than you expect it to be. Um what we'll be doing is probably a combination of like there's gonna be some heavy moments, there's yep. gonna be some crazy moments. Yeah. Uh there's gonna be a lot of different kinds of music. Yeah. And uh we're gonna see how much we can get uh the performers to uh to chip in and play. But it was I mean the club's been around for forever. It was start it was started by Don Randy, right? Who was I don't know, you tell me, yeah. You know more of the history. Justin's father. Oh Justin really? and my friend Leah. Leah and Justin are brother and sister, but I've known Leah for Jesus Christ, 15 years, and right. Um, I think their dad started it, and he was part of the uh, oh, it was the group of musicians that played on like Pet Sounds, like the Wrecking Crew. Is that what they were I called? Think so. I think so. Um, I may be wrong about that name. I don't think I, don't I, I think that's what they were called, like these studio musicians that were all great. And okay, so I think ever since then, it's just been just these studio quality musicians coming in and yeah, it's, together. It's that kind of high level, just super. Super hyper intelligent musicians doing yeah. cool stuff, and you know, like if you get into the super nerdy stuff, I know that musicians like Larry Carlton from all the Steely Dan records would have a residency there back in the seventies yeah. and early eighties, and then tons of different people like that, and then yeah. super fusion nerd jazz guys would go in and do stuff. But it's really jaw dropping, mind blowing stuff, and there's a there's a huge connection in the room. When you hear all those live jazz albums, you know, there's so much going on in that room and so much yeah. coming off the top of their head that's really cool. And you can also get baked potatoes there. That's the other thing. That, that's why it's called a baked potato. I didn't realize this until I went there, that yeah. they serve gigantic baked potatoes. Big-ass, delicious baked potatoes. Crammed with everything you could ever want inside of a baked potato. It's making me hungry right I know. now, actually. They're, it's really good. It's really good stuff. But uh, it's it's a cool, intimate place. Um, anyway, yeah, that's the idea. Is this we're what can we do to put the ultimate comedy show on that involves stuff that we like musically? And that was the idea. Because that's a theme. I I mean, I've noticed, and that's you know, I'm not saying anything original. It's that fucking comedians love music, and yeah. I think always all all comedians want to be rock stars. And I know a shitload of musicians as as well as you yeah. who are way into comedy. What I've learned from Metalocalypse, from getting all these, we've gotten, you know, guys from the black metal world to Metallica to Cannibal Corpse yeah. to uh, to Dave Grohl to, like, all these people to do voices on Metalocalypse. And the yeah. truth is that every one of them is a comedy nerd. Like, the guys in the heaviest death metal bands of all time yeah. love Monty Python. They love The Simpsons. That's yeah. all they do in their tour bus to kill the time is watch comedy. Oh, every tour bus has... DVDs like used Mr. To be show and, yeah. Of, yeah Mr. Show fucking Tenacious D sure all that stuff and they love comedy and uh, they wish that's why that's how I got so many people to do voices on Metalocalypse that you I don't think you'd ever expect King Diamond did voices on Metalocalypse they want to be funny <laughs> they yeah. all want to be funny they all want to be they don't, funny none of them take themselves that seriously at all it's really which reminds me I gotta say uh, we were talking about this the other day Dave Brocky from Guar Guar yeah passing away is is fucking awful because they were such a beacon of humor and satire and 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 real real actual genuine satire 
um, and in great musicians and and great musicians and just just a combination of these kooky art people like art students yeah that uh, did something so it's gonna suck not having him there uh, anymore because yeah, it's uh, such a weird and he was young too yeah he was a young guy yeah I've seen I've only saw Gore twice but both times I was just like Jesus Christ this is and it's never I always forgot how great they were until I, always, I, like, I usually would go to these shows that other bands were on. I was like, oh, I got a, you know, I went to a, a suicidal tendency show. Right. At like Irvine Meadows that Gore was also at. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, this is the fucking greatest thing it I've is, ever seen. It's kind of, it's funny because it's, they're, they're scary and provocative, but they're also guys in gigantic rubber outfits yeah. with huge dicks That's a, that are jacking way, off into a crowd. A huge commitment to your future. Like, all right, it's well, so much we're gonna work. we're gonna be these characters, and then realizing once you became so popular, like, oh fuck, we are fucking stuck in these <laughs> costumes now. I gotta wear this big ass heavy rubber costume. Well, yeah, it is big. It's it's the big difference between Kiss and Kiss was like, all right, we'll take some of this grease paint off, and hey, look at our stupid faces. You know what? Paint's going back on. Yeah, it's the paint back on tour. Yeah, you know, and they just got to go flip flop between the the paint, and not the paint. Now they're so old, they have to put paint on all the time. Otherwise, yeah. No, I remember yeah. what was that album they put out in like the eight, late eighties or whatever? Animal. Uh, I I don't remember the name of it, but I, it's, it's, it's that one or something else. But they're not. I don't know. With Lick It Up, they had that song Lick It Up, and they weren't wearing their makeup. And you're like, yeah, "Ah, it's just a rock band, though. It's a rock band, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I think I I was telling you the other day that I saw Guar at the Warfield in San Francisco years ago. Yeah. And he said the fun—he was really funny on his feet as Odorous, um, the character, Odorous Arungus. And uh, he just said, it's good to be back here in San Francisco, the city that brought us AIDS. (laughs) I was, I was, I, brought us AIDS. it was so, he was just, the whole audience got it. They all laughed. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like starting a riot. Everyone's like, everyone had a sick sense of humor and they thought it was you funny. You could also get away with that because you're in a fucking You're doing a character. As a dumbass character. Yeah. His Twitter feed was hilarious all the time. He was brash and crazy, but I got to talk to him on the phone one time and we would, we would exchange tweets every once in a while because we always wanted to do a tour together. Yeah. And, um. And oh, uh, been so good. he was just when I talked to him on the phone, he was such a nice, funny guy who loved to laugh and he loved comedy and chaos. And they did so much crazy political satire, like just crazy shit. Where they had, yeah, I think they had George Bush come out like a guy dressed up and they would pretty much like pull his intestines out of his body. Yeah. And he'd wiggle around and squirt blood everywhere. Oh. And it was just uh, and the guy would keep on talking as George Bush as this was happening, like nothing yeah. was happening. <laughs> It was it was really funny. It's also sad. I mean, it's sad when you lose anyone in a band. Like, right. it, it would have been sad if any of them had died. But like, when you lose the singer, that's like, you, yeah, you've the, lost the band. The, like, that's well, you know what? Hopefully, you know he's also he's not only the singer, but he really is. I think he's the guy that was keeping that guy, gigantic, yeah. like eighteen person crew together of all these crazy people doing this thing. You've got to have one real quarterback, yeah, kind of calling the plays, you know, every night. Yeah. And uh, another guitarist of theirs did die a few years ago. And, um, but you can continue. You're right. You can continue. Without the singer, it's really difficult, though. 
some bands are doing it. Yeah, and it, it, it you know becomes... who made the transition? ACDC made that transition. Yes, they did it well too. It's, it's hard to pull off. The, Van Halen did bon a version Scott of it. Was fucking dope. Bon Scott was had such a crazy personality and yeah. his voice, just such a funny sounding voice on yes. top of being a crazy listen like, to big balls and listen to his like crazy he song. had a, a voice that sounded like you uh, just hey, drank have, orange juice and you ball. have that yeah. that sticky film in your yeah, throat yeah you have like a bubble of yeah, of, yeah garbage that was Bon Scott's voice that was Bon Scott's voice <laughs> but um, but yeah but they replaced him well I think uh, other bands were successful doing it like um, Van, Van Halen. Halen did a switch nobody died they did a switch, yeah. And whether or not you, you dig one more than the other, this the second incarnation I think sold more records and made more money than the first yeah. incarnation. But let's say it's successful. ACDC, Back in Black, is one of the ultimate rock albums of all time. It's great, even though like I can't listen to like Back in Black and Shook Me All Night Long are the two songs on that album that I just. Pass right by. Well, you how many it's more times on the radio? Fucking, it's in, a, it's in a Target commercial. It's everywhere. But when you first heard those songs, when I first, when I was first started playing guitar, I was all about I got to learn any ACDC I can get my hands on. And still, it's really hard to play because those guys, Angus has so much vibe going Angus on. Angus is a machine, but he's got some so much feel. He's he's one of those few guitarists in the world, and there are about nine of them. Yeah, maybe there's twenty of them out there. Yeah. That you play three notes and you know who it is. Oh, that's it, Angus Young. Oh, oh such that's a Brian distinct May. sound. Yeah, it, it's and all... he's live. He's crazy. He'll like play lead while Brian Brian Johnson's on his fucking shoulders. And here's the thing: he still he's still to this day in an all boys school. Yes, his little short. He's still fa- every little, year he fails and he gets held short. back. Yeah. Yeah, just take he's still, your GED. Yeah. He's got a, a second grader's education, and he's doing all this. It's yeah. amazing. Your it really is. And your little yeah. vest, and <laughs> yeah. take your GED and just, just wear, yeah, you know what? Wear yeah. a baseball tee. Yeah, what are you doing? Get, time to branch out. Get out of that school. That's, <laughs> he's got to take. He's got to take all his time off from school every time he does a concert. That's you know going back to the whole thing of like, <laughs> uh, it'll be funny if I wear this on stage this one time, and then it's like. Oh fuck! No. And now I got to think. I'm got to do. And now I am 60 years old, and I have to wear a felt schoolboy <laughs> Australian all boys school. That's fucking thing with nuts, a beanie man. with an A on it. How did, uh, meet, how did they find Brian Johnson? Because he's. I don't know that story. I don't know. That's 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 something. Uh, I'll just have him on the podcast. Let's have him on the podcast. Have him tell the story. <laughs> Easy. Uh, Shit. So Keneally. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, we're well. I will be doing a oh, month yeah. of of shows uh, in May. Uh, it's the Trepany House, which is the Steve Allen Theater, aka which is, the Steve Allen Theater. If you don't know what this theater is, it's really cool. I've been doing shows there for the last decade. I keep. I, I'll have a stupid idea for something, and I'll and. Uh, a meet Eidelman who runs the place will say, "Hey, you need a theater. You need a stage to put something up." Best place. And I'll do weird stuff. Like I'll do, I'll write like a one act play, and I'll just put it up there. Or I'll have an yeah. idea for a sketch show. Or I'll have, or just want to do a night of stand up or whatever. It's so great. And uh, recently, I did my buddy Andrew Donnelly's one man show yeah. about him 
wrestling with ADD and stuff. It's, it ended up being really funny. We're going to go back and do some more. But it's a really cool place, and I don't think everyone in the comedy world knows about it, but great people go and work out shows all the time. Yeah. Eddie Izzard, I got to watch him work out an hour-long show, yeah. and he was hilarious. Mark Marin does a residency there often. Um, it's good the small Kids in the theater, Hall yeah. kids are doing the stuff hall. there all the time. Tons of great shows. Mary Lynn Ice Cub did a, a residency there yeah, like a year of... or two ago. But uh, I was talking to Steve here about about uh, just, you know, every comic needs to... Because I'm trying to put an hour together. Exactly. And and what you need to do is put yourself in a situation... And you were like, to... just book an hour, and yeah. that, that'll force you to do an hour. Which is my philosophy on everything. If you put yourself in a situation where you look like a real asshole... Yeah. You know, if you have to learn all the Bach inventions in, like, three months, then book a show where you have to, like, tonight, Steve Agee, yes. the Bach inventions. Yeah. You know, you will do it. You'll find a way to do it. And that's the thing is if you... So deadlines, so, deadlines. Yeah, results. force it, force yourself into a place where you have to have a deadline. That's my advice to everyone. But um, so all of May, every Wednesday, every Wednesday in May, so I'd, I'd say uh, probably around eight thirty ish, eight yeah. maybe. Yeah, um, it's check the Steve Allen Theater website, aka the Trepany House. Or at Trepany House, I think, is the yeah. Twitter handle. You should check it out anyway because there's always yeah. funny shit. You'll have some fun guests opening up for you. Yeah, and you'll you be will hopefully I by will. the end of the month when yes. you're back from when your I'm, honeymoon. Yes, when I'm back in town, I'll be uh, I'll be checking that out. Maybe, Doing that. maybe your first show as a married man. That may be it. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a, I'll just be complaining about yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm married. So you know what that's like, huh? <laughs> how Fellas, many, hey, ooh, how many people? Uh, <laughs> how many people doing that? Captain Mustache. Oh yeah. I uh, if none of you have seen <laughs> Brendan do Captain Mustache, it's it's funny because we did a show there at Trepany House. Yeah. Recently, and you did. You hosted it, and then you did a set as Captain Mustache, which is just this really old. It's just, it's just, it's an old Boston comic who's yeah. trying to get back up on stage for the first time in probably twenty years, yeah. and he's having a he's having a, a rough go at it. Yeah, it's so fucking funny. And I posted a photo of you backstage. And oh yeah, so many people were like, like someone was just. It might have been Jonah Ray was just like. I was just fucking talking about Captain Mustache to somebody yesterday. And right, yeah. He was writing French fries, like, in oh, all yeah. uppercase. Fries, yeah. Well, that's, uh, I'm in early stages of writing a pilot for that character with the folks at, uh, that's all I'll say right now. That's all, that's all, stop, I'll leave it at that. Uh, is there more, uh. Uh, Metalocalypse coming? There is. Yeah, this is something I haven't talked about too much, but um, we finished the last year, we finished with a one-hour rock opera special called the Doomstar Requiem, and if you follow my Twitter at Brendan, at underscore Brendan Small, um, you can see that I'm... I'm uh, right now. I'm selling the vinyl albums of of this whole one hour rock opera special, which he was just showing me. And I, I, in fact, I think we were recording when that was starting. But yeah, an amazing like double album picture disc, double album picture disc, like collectible cool stuff. And it sounds really good. The uh, the sound of this thing really turned out great. But um, I wanted to do a rock opera special because I keep I write all this music. I like to write story. It's just a combination of all the stuff I love. I like doing voices. Yeah, and uh, we got a lot. Lot of cool people to participate with us and we got a 50 piece orchestra 
So it was really cool. Where did you record cool. a 50-piece orchestra? Well, we uh, recorded it in an undisclosed place because it was a non-union orchestra, so we couldn't really... It wasn't a good idea to... Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. But... Um, so we couldn't really advertise where we did I didn't it. even realize there were union orchestras. Oh, it's it's such a tricky There's thing. And the thing is for everything. Well, the, the whole idea is I wanted to do this thing and I figure my whole my whole advice to myself is you only live once you may as well do try to do it right. Yeah. So I figured I want a real orchestra. I want great players that are top notch and I want this to sound like a big movie theater score, you know? Yeah. Like a not a movie theater score, but a score that would be in a movie right. that would be in a theater. Um and so so I figured the way you do that is you pay for it with your own money. And so so that's what I did. I, I got an orchestra, and uh, I put out a record on my own, and I'm the label of all the Metalocalypse stuff. What's your label called? It's just called BS Records. It's And I put out this other record, Galacticon, which is um, kind of like a, a, a high-stakes intergalactic rock album. It's, another picture it's, disc. It's really cool. Another picture disc, yeah. But you can check them out on brendansmall.com and listen to samples and stuff. But I'm really happy. Um, we had... Uh, Different people singing on the Doomstar Orchestra, the Metalocalypse Rock Opera, including uh, Mark Hamill. Uh, oh, shit. Singing? Yeah, singing Malcolm McDowell. Because they all play characters on the yeah. show, so I had to bring them in and kind of get them up and running and singing because this whole thing was, in this particular world, everything was had to be sung. There were no, like, recitatives, which is, like, people talking over, like, a drone or something. I had oh, to, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Even though, the, yeah, actually, yeah. these guys kind of did do that. And then Jack Black shows up on it, and he sang on it, and he was outstanding. Right, yeah. He's got one of the coolest voices in the great, world. Great rock voice. He really does. Um, and uh, George Corpse Grinder Fisher, the lead singer from Cannibal Corpse, yeah. did some stuff. So I did, like, a duet with him. Jesus um, Christ, and then, yeah, so... it's really cool because we've got tons of guitars, tons of, like, I played you a song called The Duel, yeah. which we're going to play Amazing. live at the Baked Potato, which is this big guitar battle between I two of the characters that Keneally and I are going to do. We're going to recreate live, and it should be really fun. There'll be lots of notes, I'll tell you do that. You, when you recorded with the, that orchestra, did you record everything at once, or were you... No. Did you have the guitar and drum and all I that had, stuff? What I had was a big demo, and um, I had Bear McCreary. You know him from... the. He does the music for The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. He does the music for um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. What else does he do? He does tons of Battlestar Galactica. So he's a guy that does like he's like the, kind of like the main go to TV film yeah. score guy. And he's really what he does is he conducts a ninety piece orchestra usually. I'm like probably he's doing that right now while we're talking. And he's just that's what he wanted to do, Jeez. and he's really good at it. So I talked to him, and I that's how I got into the budgets and all that stuff. And I said, how do I do this? And he, um, I midied out. I demoed the whole thing on my MIDI samples and everything. Yeah. Like horns and violins and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and um, and then he took all the files and he he said, uh, hey, you mind if I arrange this a little bit and try to bring oh, it up yeah. and make it look sound? And I was like, yeah, 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 okay. All right. All right. And so he, ga he gave me the MIDI samples back, the new arranged version, and it definitely kept what was cool about the original stuff and then did shit that I just don't... I don't know how to write great cool flute glissandos and stuff like that and he threw all these all these bells and whistles in that made it sound that enhanced it and kept you know yeah. it wasn't drawing too much attention to itself it was really smart writing that he did yeah and um and so yeah so that's what i i had was like a click track because we we're just we're we're in order for us to do a whole animated thing is I had to write an hour's worth of music we had to start boarding the whole all the animation to this thing and yeah. then while that's happening 
I'm going to record the orchestra. We're going to record drums. We're doing them all in separate pieces. Yeah. And even when we do the orchestra, we do all the brass at one in one section. Right. So the French horns, the trombones, the tubas, and all those things. And then we do all the strings. All the and then and then he had like a guy that does all the woodwinds, do all his woodwinds. So he's like flute and and uh, clarinets and all those things Jesus. and piccolos and he does those all. So in separate little sec- right. sections as well. So. It's a big, it's a big undertaking, but um, I'm glad I did. Now I know how, you know. It seems so daunting. It was, and... it was daunting, but it's just like everything else. If it's, I remember Paul Gilbert, you know the guitarist Paul <laughs> yes. Gilbert from Racer X. Yeah. He had a great guitar. Um, so he's uh, Mr. Big. Too. Yeah, he's yeah, Mr. Yeah. Big also, and uh, he's just this great, amazing guy who writes really cool music too. If you ever listen to his solo stuff, really great stuff. He has, anyway, he had a guitar column in like an old guitar magazine and he just was talking about these very difficult to play guitar licks and he said consider it like a pizza you eat one slice at a time you know and that's what the whole thing is that's what it, you don't just pick up the whole pizza and put it in your mouth you have one slice at a time and that's what everything is from recording an orchestra to a guitar solo to writing the outline for an hour long piece of whatever yeah. to writing the script to all that stuff yeah to storyboard all that stuff it's just you just do one little baby step at a time and it ends up not being so daunting so that was the last thing that you did yeah so now i'm 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 trying to i've got the story outlined and i'm just trying to i've been talking with adult swim about the right amount of time to give this project so we're kind of talking about that but it's going to be the big final story of the whole show it's going to be a special or a season that's what that's what we're finding out figuring out yeah yeah, so I've got the whole thing sitting here, and I don't want to rush it. I mean, I have a feeling if I push too hard at this point, they're going to say, you know what, you've got 15 minutes to finish this entire show. And I'll go, well, that's not what I want. So I'm going to oh, wait yeah, till they – because, yeah. you know, everyone's got budgets. They've got quarterly budgets or yearly budgets, and I don't want to hit them at a bad time. I want to make sure the show gets the right amount of time to finish itself off. And right. then I can continue with the music from that point on if I want to and other projects and stuff. Um, how How's Mark Hamill – as as a guy, just to, to work with, he is incredibly cool. He's fucking a, Luke Skywalker. He's, well, that's how. You know what is really funny? The way that getting him as a voiceover guy is probably like every guy that's my age. You know, in their late thirties or 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 a little bit older, a little bit younger, yeah. who all has grown up to this guy being Luke Skywalker. When you find out he's a voiceover guy, and you have a, an animated show where you can cast voices, you go, "Well, we should obviously give him." part on the show so yeah. I can hang out with Luke yeah. Skywalker. But the truth was it was very organic how it happened because I wanted older sounding voices for this group of tribunal kind of this secret kind of group that watches over the world and is yeah. monitoring this band Death Clock. And I didn't want me in there going I'm an old man with it yeah. because it wouldn't sound right yeah. because my voice doesn't sound as old as these guys. Yeah. So we found some cool older voice actors. Then somebody said, hey, you actually know who has a good kind of like smoky voice in the lower register is, is Mark Hamill. And I said, okay. All right. Okay. Okay. I don't want to be the nerd that just hires him because he's Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And then they sent in an audition that he did for it. And he had it. so much personality and so much so much of a cool swagger to this character that I was like, without a doubt, he's got the job, obviously. And then also he's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> But when we started recording him, so crazy. So I mean, he's a really, really good 
voiceover actor. Yeah, he, he just works gets a lot. it. He works a lot, and he's just he's good, and he finds a lot of personality in in his reads, and he finds cool shit to do. But I remember I kind of like gathered everybody around when we first brought him into the studio and said, okay, hey, guys, we're all going to be here. We're going to be working with this guy, hopefully for years. And at this point, it's what our show's been on the air for eight years, nine years almost. Has it been that long? Yeah. Fuck me. Really? It's like, yeah, I think we're in our ninth year, maybe. Oh, my I, God, since, dude. Well, since like, I pitched it to its, yeah. to now, because that means I'm working on it even, you know, yeah. a year before it comes out. But, um, yeah, 2005, I think, is when it came out. Yeah, it's like nine it's years. when it aired, yeah. Um, so, uh, so I said, listen, we're going to hopefully be doing tons of episodes with this guy. Let's make this place where we don't be the place where we don't bother him about Star Wars. Let this be a place where he can just relax and <laughs> yeah. we're not going to just bring up a bunch of stupid questions about Banthas <laughs> or Dagobah yeah. or <laughs> whatever it yeah. is, you know, or, you know, or lightsaber crystals, whatever yeah. it is. Let's just try to, yeah. let's just play it cool. And, uh, and we did, and he was really nice. He was really, uh. He 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 had like done some research on home movies or whatever. Or he'd watch. He said, "Hey, Brendan, yeah. hey, you know, I used to watch home movies all the time, and I really like. I want to know how you guys recorded that stuff because it really sounds really natural how you did the dialogue." And we sat and talked about that, just improvising yeah. and having everybody in the same booth at the same time. Yeah, and uh, he was really nice, and I really froze when I first saw him too because he just was yeah. Luke Skywalker. That was it. And um, and every once in a while. He would come in and he'd go, yeah, you know, on uh, Empire, what we did was, and everyone would just kind of drop what they're doing, go, go on, yes, That's, he's going to talk about uh, Star Wars. Jesus and so Christ. he would do it every once in a while, and it was always a, a treat. But he's a, uh, he's a, uh, he's always funny. He's a, uh, he's very, I don't know, I don't know. But you'd think he'd be a crazy actor at this point. You'd think he'd be just a kooky dude, but he's incredibly lucid. He's very. Um, politically minded, and he's always got something yeah. new to say when he comes in, and just a smart dude, and always. Oh, but I do one thing every episode. I give him a name that's totally unpronounceable to say. And just let him. So it appears it. that Death Clock is going to be making shoes, and here now our shoe expert here to tell more about shoes is our shoe expert, Doctor Plixniltrinkunpilntun. <laughs> Yeah, yes. There's like a, yeah. but a seriously, I'll like, we'll sometimes just, I will sometimes just roll my knuckles across the keyboard and come up with a name and it'd be Snilled Christus Cathist Trencrupt. However you pronounce <laughs> and, it is how and it. I go, and he'll, but so he'll, every once in a while, so every time he does, he never realizes it's coming, but he starts reading and he goes, now here to speak more about shoes is our sh Death clock shoe expert, doctor. Oh, shit. <laughs> he says that every time. And I sit there and I like, I have a shitty smirk on my face. And he just shakes his head and he looks over his glasses at me and he just goes, and I go, just say it. Just say it. I want your first react. I want you sounding out the word. I want you sounding out the word to be part of the take. Yes, that's... You know what I mean? So yeah. it should be like, our uh, next speak about shoes is Dr. Snink... I love that. I love going to a voiceover audition and getting a word like that. And I'm like, how is this pronounced? They're like, it doesn't matter. Right, Just yeah. say it how... If you can, you like, even if you stumble through at that, I want one... F That's but, hilarious, yeah. But he will never do that. He always says, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it in this character as if he knows this name better than he knows any other name. I go, okay, very well then. 
And go, all right, here we go. And here to speak more about shoes is Dr. Snick's, you know, fuck it. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> He'll do it like a thousand times. But it's, it's, uh, we always get it from him and we never dumb down the name. <laughs> do you have, I've, have, do you have, like blooper reels like i i've i've seen in some animated shows yeah they'll like they'll animate the fucking bloopers you know what i mean yeah like I mean, old I... thundercats there there there's a thing on youtube of like old thundercat oh really bloopers that they've animated oh, that's, like, that's weird uh lion oh go oh, god fucking damn it and, and they oh, really? animate oh that. so they'll find like like the those kind of outtake like uh like uh, the Orson Wellesy kind of like outtakes, yeah, and like, they'll yeah, and they'll animate it, right? And it's fucking oh, hilarious. That's funny. We do have stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean we we'll do so much. We'll do so much recording because I mean because from home movies we did so much improv, and so yeah. I'll write a script to get it approved, and I'll try to make sure I have jokes to say and a story that makes sense. But I w- recording audio is it's it's almost free to do, so you may as well sit there and have fun and fuck around. The other thing I noticed when we first started doing Metalocalypse was that this industry standard for doing voices is usually to have one voice at a time just do their lines. Yeah. Or they stand you all up in a row and they don't want you to talk over one another. Yep. And I've done voiceover things like that. But yeah. the best thing we did was kind of from the Dr. Cat school of voiceover was you had four people in the booth with all these sound dividers and we could talk over each other. I love that. And you get a real rhythm of conversation happening. And when two people are, like, arguing, they aren't listening to another person. They're just slowly trying to say what they want yeah. to say while the other person do is doing that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, It's hard to do that when you're recording one person at a time. You can Well, I do most of the voices on Metal Lockclip, so I've tried to find ways to be able to, like, if I know one of those scenes is going to happen, it's going to be funnier if I have two people saying the same thing, and I'm playing both of those characters, yeah. then I have to find a way to record that. So you'll see, even in here in my, we're in my studio right now, which is yeah. where I record all the Death Clock music, and I have a, I have a microphone in, the, in that booth outside of this where I do all my guitars, and I do all my singing and voiceover stuff. But I have a, on the inside of that thing, I have a keyboard, like a a computer keyboard and a monitor so I can start and stop sessions in there and edit on the fly. I was just about to ask how you... Exactly. So that was the first thing I, I... I wanted to get put in the first studio where we started doing all the Metalocalypse voiceovers where I could start and stop sessions myself. So I don't have to drag an engineer in who's yeah. like on a lunch break because I've got an idea. I want to make sure I can work all the Pro Tools myself and yeah. edit on the fly if I need to yeah. and put together like five guys talking to each other in a chaotic, fucking warbly, jangly piece of garbage <laughs> that makes me laugh. Um, yeah, I've... I've done some stuff. I love when I go in to do a voiceover and it's they have everyone in the room. Like I, yeah, I've done that for Bob's Burgers. They, well, Bob's they, is the same because that's Lauren because yeah. we did home movies. So yeah, he'll do it that way, and you get a very unique. Well, it's really fun doing it. That well, way you too. can also people are there. It's usually packed with comedians who are quick on their feet and can improvise. You know, so and they'll do a pass. It's like just do it how it's written, and then after that, they're like, all right, just. Have fun with it. That's so. Yeah, that's how we did. So we would. I'd write a script to make sure again we had jokes to tell. We didn't just because we did the first like couple episodes with just an outline, and there are days where you're just like, I got fucking, I got no, no funny stuff <laughs> to say. I can't By think the of way, it. How do you? I I was just wondering when I was on my way over here, how you pitch 
an animated show? I mean, I know you pitch it like you would pitch a regular TV show, but do you go in with character drawings? Some people do, and sometimes people... I've heard that that's detrimental. Sometimes when you're going in with a network to a network, they want to help you conceive of everything. Yeah. So if they have an idea where they want everything to look like The Simpsons and you bring them something that looks like South Park, they'll be like, well, obviously that doesn't fit our visual thing. When you pitched Metalocalypse, did you just go in with the show idea and, the, and then did they put you with animators? No, I had – Character design? From the very beginning, this, the smartest thing I got that I could do when I was pitching was – was to have an idea for a show, which is in this case, it's a show, and this is all I had. Is it's an extreme metal band that is the biggest entertainment act on earth. And yeah. I, that's the only reason I could do that is because every other music comedy is about a band kind of on its way out, which is yeah. like Spinal Tap nailed it. Tenacious D nailed it. Yeah. Uh, Flight of the Concord, which happened, I think around the same time Metalocalypse did, was nailing the same thing too, which is a band that's not popular. It's kind of eating shit. Yeah. And so we thought, okay, let's just do this the other way. Let's just go the other way. So this is the biggest, this is like the Beatles. This is like if the Beatles times a million, if they played an extreme. And also it was kind of to me like, uh, I think I discovered some of this stuff later, but I wanted it to be about celebrities. And that was kind of the thing is I yeah. wanted, to, I wanted, I was so pissed off at, at reality TV taking up all the time and just writers weren't giving work anymore and it's yeah. just garbage and it's a producer yeah. editing garbage and and uh, and I thought wouldn't it be funny if like what if the Kardashians were a death metal band kind of a thing yeah yeah totally so that's kind of how I started writing the show is this celebrity angle first these kind of inept celebrities that don't they're not sure what day it is they don't know how to use the door handle they're really dumb but um yeah but I went to – I already had a relationship with Mike Lazo from the Adult Swim because of home movies. So I said, hey, I've got a thing. And he knew I played guitar and he knew I could write music because I wrote some music for some of their other stuff. Yeah. Like a show called Perfect Hair Forever. I wrote something for them like the week before and I did it in like an hour and he was yeah. really impressed. So I said, listen, I've got a show where it would be tons of music and it would be death metal and extreme metal and black metal and all these – because I'm really getting excited about guitar just because metal has gotten – is coming back in a, in a big way over the yeah. last like, you know – decade and a half or whatever and he said oh okay cool <laughs> that was and that was the pitch so what what i what i did in the meantime was i i, I met up with a production company who i pitched to or talked to or had a meeting with at one point that i really liked a lot called titmouse oh yeah yeah because i had a different show that i sold to sci-fi network a few years before or a year before that it didn't end up going through and I met this guy who I thought I wanted to – I really – we were just kind of finishing each other's sentences about this vibe, this art style that we – and I, I was like, oh, I like that old filmation look. I like uh, like old Masters of the Universe where people are, are of human proportion because I want them to hold instruments. Yeah. So I, I need them to be of human proportion. I like that line weight of old filmation stuff like the Flash Gordon, the Tarzan show and yeah. Masters of the Universe. I like those backgrounds. So how do we make a show that looks like that? I want – home movies was so – not art conscious that I wanted this to be right. the polar opposite. I didn't want this yep. to seem like it came from the same guy because I don't want to be one of those guys that has the same cartoon character looking people and the same style. I don't yeah, want to be locked. I don't want to lock different. myself into a thing. I want to be creative in any way that I want to be. You know? Yeah. So so I got that, and then I also was looking at. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that I had. I didn't want to do a pilot. I wanted to do just go to series order because I thought I knew what this show was. I had a very clear understanding of what it was, and I thought I could talk them into it too. But what I wanted to do was find what the cheapest show on Adult Swim was, or at least the cheapest looking show. And at the time, uh, I knew Tim and Eric, and they 
they were doing the Tom, Tom Goes, Goes the Mayor. Yeah. And I thought that show's got to be so cheap. so cheap. It's got to be so cheap. There's it's almost no out, animation. Yeah. Uh, and I thought the show was funny, and I like those guys. So I was like, hey, do you mind if I have a quick look at your books? Can you tell me what your bottom line is for your episodes? And they said, oh, per episode is X amount. And I said, okay. So I said, so I went back to Tim House and said, this is what their their bottom line is. If we can make our show cost like – and then I think Chris Pranowski, the – the uh, the guy who runs Titmouse says, if we can make it one penny under that, <laughs> I bet we can sell this thing. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really good idea. So find a way to do it. So if they dis- we decided if discovered that if if we spread those costs over twenty episodes, then we can make it cheaper than any other show that's on Adult Swim right now. Really, that was all. All that stuff was the idea. I also learned a lot of other stuff about just like how home movies was our time slot was moving around constantly and all that stuff. And I wanted to try to do something where we were at a fixed point, yep. you know, because, you know, it's some maybe you don't get a good footing your first time out and they go, oh, obviously it's not working now. Let's move it. And then yeah. the people that did like it, they don't know where to go. They don't know what time it's on. Yeah. And this is, you know, it was like before everyone had a TiVo and like when home movies came out. So no one knew how to find this show. Right. So. So Adult Swim, when they were doing the billboards, I said, I don't care what you put on the billboards as long as you put the time slot. And so it kind of locks the network into oh, yeah. keeping that time slot. So for better or for worse, if you have 20 episodes of a show, in my opinion, like the main – like the business side of me thought, if I have 20 episodes of a show with characters that are consistent and we understand what the show's logic is, it's going to find an audience, I believe, because we'll wear people down. So did they give you guys 20 episodes? <laughs> yeah. They no did. pilot. You just it was straight like, into it. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. I think it's because they knew I could run a show already, and I could write a show. And did you do it for as cheap as Tom goes to the mayor? Well, what ended up happening is we got <laughs> we got into some trouble, and I think we had to get an overage. I think somewhere uh, in the first thing. I was so say, man, that's no. I mean, our show. We ended up, and what we end up doing is we keep challenging ourselves to make the show look and behave better, and and to have the characters be stronger and more. Uh, have more depth as each episode continues. So if you go from the last season, season four, and compare that to season one, it looks just so much better. And yeah. the characters are just behaving and they're up and running. And I mean, that's what happens to a lot of yeah, TV you shows. Your characters out. live and breathe. And your first episode, in some cases, in some comedies, ends up being your worst episode because yeah. all you do is learn how to get these guys. Oh, yeah. But I don't think that's true of every other TV show because you go back and you watch episode one of Breaking Bad, and that's just, like, so good. It's just as good as the finale. It's, you know. Yeah, I remember we shot the pilot for Sarah's show. Yeah. And then when they picked it up, we, we were just like, ah, the pilot is so different than everything else that we ended up writing and doing that they – they didn't even air it as a pilot. They're like, we'll just put this in like fifth or sixth episode. So it's just. Oh, yeah. So it's not a weird jump from something totally different to. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And that ended up working. No one really knew. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Some people do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Home Movies, is, it was a failure <laughs> in, in many ways. Was it, it? Well, I mean, people like it was a hardcore, like it, it started gaining footing after the fact, after it was canceled, people the DVDs came out like around the almost last year. Oh no, we were canceled by the time the DVDs came out. So the DVDs came out we after sure. we we had been canceled, and then that's when people started discovering the show, and it started getting kind of uh, this popular. But even with that much popularity, it wasn't like 
it wasn't enough to bring the show back on, and we didn't want to bring it back. Like up. Family Guy. Yeah, and, and people people to this day say, "Hey, when's whole movies coming back?" It, it doesn't happen to they say that with every fucking show. And shows aren't supposed to come. Sometimes you have to leave them. You know, yeah. Like two shows came back: Family Guy and Arrested Development. That's it. That's it. And. Did they need to come back? I'm not sure. People, people honestly always ask that stuff about when shows. Sarah's, like, uh, like very seriously, like, hey, when's Sarah's show coming yeah, back? I'm like, was, that's been off the air for four years. And, and do you know why these shows were canceled in the first place? Because people didn't watch them. People yeah. didn't particularly care for the these show shows. The show was totally mismanaged and, yeah. and moved around and no one was watching yeah. it. So they weren't making money off of it. So there's no yes. way they would do it again. Yes, it would be such a hard... And we were the most expensive show on Comedy Central. There's no fucking way they would bring it back. You know, Isaac Brock from Modest Mouse said, hey, I want to talk to you about financing new episodes of home movies. He wanted to, like, personally finance this. No And I was like, I don't think – I don't think I want to go back to that show. I think I love where I left it. The best thing that happened with home movies is that we knew – the head of the network called and said, listen, we're going to give you one more season. That's only because we like the show. It's not behaving. This is like kind of a bad use of our money because we know what your ratings are we at the want, best. Yeah. So this is it. So this is your last season. I mean, unless something crazy happens, and of course nothing crazy happened. People kind of tuned in, flipped out, tuned in, you know, just didn't watch or did yeah. watch part of it and just didn't get it or didn't. You have to recalibrate your meter back then it's one to of those see a shows show like that's that. more popular after it's over and. Yeah, and now that they know they can't have it, they probably are like, oh, welcome there is one more back. episode. Come on, bring it back. Yeah. So, um, but the best thing we got to do with that with that show is write the final episode. That's cool, and that's very rare. With a you lot don't of always get to do it. This is why I'm careful with Metalocalypse about I want to end it the proper way. The whole show is moving towards this one place, and I want to be able to tell that story properly. So I don't want right. to. I don't want to bother them too much i want to get the final episode right yeah so um home movies we got to write the final episode and i was really happy with how that turned out i don't think there's any reason to come back to that show after uh, after the message from the final episode which is that this kid has found the family that he wants to have it's really it's just this big family metaphor and it it works for the show you know yeah Yeah, we did uh the last what would be the last season of sarah's show we didn't. They didn't tell us it was going to be the last season, but I think everyone figured, just because right. the, the network wanted us to like do the sh- ep- each episode for twenty percent less money, and there, uh, everyone was like, "This is going to be the last season." Right. And so yeah. they just wrote every episode big and crazy. They're like, "Well, if we're going to go out, we're going to go out like with these oh, epic yeah. episodes." Yeah. There was no finale though, which was kind of a bummer, but. Yeah. The episodes were a lot more fun that last season. That's cool. Yeah. That's well that's cool. You can get a little bit more ballsy when you know that you're yeah. It's almost like if you tell It's like when they, they that's why they tell people that you know if you're going to fire somebody, fire them on a Friday. Yeah. And basically what At they're the doing end is of you guys, the day they're on firing Friday. you guys on Monday. They're telling you guys you Friday's your last day and you get to fuck around and yeah. wreak havoc and create nonsense and yeah. craziness until then. 
just funny. But yeah. we we did know our final thing, and it actually for us it, it was helpful, and it made the show I think have a because I think we would have just had like oh it's the episode where the soup is too hot. It'd be like a shitty episode. <laughs> yeah, bye folks forever. You know, yeah. whatever. Oh, the soup was hot. Good night. How the show ended? The <laughs> yeah. soup was too hot. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. That's the end of the whole thing. It's not. The, yeah, the whole series and is it done. Ended almost as a cliffhanger. Like right. He yeah. Hadn't, he couldn't even eat the he soup because it was too hot. too hot. Then the credits rolled. Yeah, they free screen. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, th- those were luxurious times. But I think you learn a lot about uh, producing and making a show from from yeah. worse things happening than yeah. sometimes with good things happening. I think. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was fun. You know, ultimately you. You're just trying to create a cool job for yourself. Yeah. You know, you're a creative person that's trying to create the ultimate job. And how do you do it? And how do you make sure it sticks around for a certain amount of time? And I don't know. Some It's really weird that some shows have been on for decades at this point. And yeah. you're like, why are you – for who is this? Why – who is at the helm? What is the reason? I'm always shocked when I hear a show is still on the air that I thought has been off the air for five years. Yeah. When they're like, oh – New season of so and so start starting up, or so and so has been added to the cast of, uh, right, yeah. like Jag, and you're right. like Jag, <laughs> like what, like what, <laughs> like yeah. that shows. I re- I read about some show like just yesterday. I don't remember what it was. Some drama that I'm like, there's no way that show is still fucking on the air. They do it. It's amazing. I mean, I don't. I, I don't know. You go back and you watch your favorite TV shows. The best shows for me, I mean, Seinfeld had a long run, and it stayed funny, so I think, good. for my money. I think they stayed funny the whole time. Larry Sanders was a show that had a brilliant yep. arc, a really smart one, and it was, what, how many seasons? Three or four, maybe? Yeah, if I that. think three. Maybe three, yeah. Yeah. But so smartly done, and just, you get in, you tell a great story, and you get out, and you go on, you move on with your life, yeah. you know? Because uh, that's what's got to happen, you know? Yeah, I don't know why TV has to be on as long as it does. Hopefully, you've got an ending to your story, you know. Yeah. And Seinfeld had—I mean, I know people hated that last episode, but I, to yeah. me, I got it. It made sense. And it's not, you know, in the end, it's not about the final episode. It's about right. the it's series about the, the and whole the thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid cops. The series. <laughs> Uh, all right, I know you've got some shit to do. I think we've we've gone over an hour. I feel like we've, we've covered a good. We've I covered keep, everything. I keep going. We've, co- we've covered all music. Uh, uh, um, yeah. So again, uh, for those listening, if you're in the LA area, April fifteenth, we're going to be doing our show uh, at the Baked Potato. You can go to uh, thebakedpotato.com uh, and follow the links uh, to get advanced tickets. For yeah, either baked the night at the baked potato. What's that? That's what the call the show's called. Baked. Baked. Brendan and Steve Ag or baked with Brendan and Steve Ag at yeah. the baked potato. For me, it's a potato reference. For Steve, it's something different. For me, it's weed. <laughs> yeah. Um. For me, it's a musical reference. Yeah. Uh. But go and uh, it's going to be great. It's, it's going to be, be great. Really we want to. We want to. Our goal is to make this a regular thing. So please come to the first one. Uh, and yeah. Show that it's popular. I think it's going to be totally entertaining. And I think yeah, and there right. were a lot of other music, musicians slash comedians that we've approached who couldn't do it this this month who were more than excited, like to willing do, yeah. to do it later. And so uh, I think it's got the potential to be a really awesome show. It'll be something like you haven't seen before. I think it's going to be a really totally unique show. Yeah. Hollywood, California. And then uh, go to the Trepany House uh, every Wednesday in May. 
Um, I'll be doing an hour set. Um, I have different people opening for me. Hopefully, Brendan will be there. I hope so, too. The last week. Um, And you can follow Brendan at at underscore Brendan Small, right? That's correct. And you can go to my website, brendansmall.com, B-R-E-N-D-O-N-S-M-A-L-L. And uh, check out some of these uh, 50-piece orchestra with a death metal band. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's, a fun, it's a fun thing. It's a fun project. And they can buy the, the disc, the vinyl on there? They can buy the vinyl there. They can buy the CDs. You can, buy the, uh, you can download uh, the digital stuff there. I for recommend it. the vinyl to yeah. anyone who's into records because those, cool. those get, records are really cool. Looking. You get an MP3 download with the vinyl. So oh, well, there you, you go. do that. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. This has been and, fun. And uh, I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> I'll, see, I'll you. see you on the 15th. I'll see you on the 15th. Maybe yeah, sooner. First. Yeah. Probably sooner. All right. Thanks all right. for listening, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. All right. Thank you very much to uh, Brendan Small. I'm so happy you did this. And I'm looking forward to our show again, April 15th at the Baked Potato uh, in Studio City. You can get tickets at thebakedpotato.com. Follow the links for the show on uh, April 15th. There's two shows, one at nine, one at nine and one at 11. Uh, I hope you guys can make it out. It's going to be an amazing uh, night. And also, uh, every Wednesday in May, I'll be at Trepany House, a.k.a. the Steve Allen Theater. So uh, please come down to one of those shows, spread the word. And uh, if you want to donate to Farrell or to my show, there's a a link on my page uh, for you to do so. That would be awesome. Um, And also, uh, if you're going to buy stuff at Amazon.com, use the link on my uh, uh, podcast page (laughs) at Farrell as well. There should be a link, and you can go if you want to buy DVDs, uh, Home Movie, or Metalocalypse, um, or any of Brendan's uh, Death Clock albums. uh, You can do so there or at his website. But uh, if you go through Amazon, uh, use our link. We get a very small kickback at no extra cost to you. So thank you very much, everybody. I appreciate the listenership, and have a good rest of the week. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.